In the letters of John, the Apostle John continues and expands his thoughts, themes, and motifs, and dives deeper in them. In the Gospel of John, we saw that he presented Jesus as the Word of God, and the Word became flesh. Over the next three letters, he will stress that Jesus, being God, came down in the flesh, that Jesus is the Son of God, how we should follow his commandments of truth and love, and what our mission and goal is as believers. Join us as we dive into the letters of John. My name is Pastor Aaron. And I'm Pastor Leon. We'd like to welcome you to Calvary's Compass. So, we are diving into the second episode of First John. <laughs> Last week, we talked about First um, John chapter 1. And all of the things that John had said about that, we talked about the the Gnosticism that yeah. was rising up in the culture, and this is the what the purpose of this letter was for. He was talking about walking in the light. Yeah, he was talking about sin and and purification from sin, and we kind of closed it out by reading the first three verses of First John chapter two. But I think we're gonna kind of just reread the first three verses again of First John chapter two because it all kind of ties in together. Absolutely. Um, but yeah. Yeah, so like I said last podcast, we went through quite a bit of information and and you know, and John's gonna kind of expounding upon these themes and things that he had been talking about at one point in time in the book of John. So as we know, the best way to get started is just to just start reading. So it says this, um, and we're reading out of the English Standard Version um, as well. But again, like last time, we're going to float between different versions. So that's my little children. I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not just for ours, but the sins of the whole world. And by this, we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. So, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever he says he abides in him ought to walk out in the same way in which he walked. So that that verse right there kind of really pops out to me because it's saying that if you know him but do not keep his commandments, right? The way that people can see that we are in him is if we can walk the same way in which Jesus walked. Mm -hmm. That's basically what it's saying. It's saying if someone... Uh, I'm going to read through the Passion. It says that someone claims that I have come to know God by experience, yet doesn't keep God's commands. He is a phony, and the truth finds no place in him. But the love of God will be perfected within the one who obeys God's word. And so we we have to continue to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. And the love that he projects, we yeah. also should project that same love. Because if Christ is in us— yeah as people of God, then whatever is inside must come outside, must flow through us. So if we are holding on and keeping on his commandments, not the Mosaic law, not the laws of the church, but what Christ has commanded, 
and if we keep those commands and we live them out, not because we have to, because we love enough to want to. Right. Nothing. Not, there's nothing that we do should be forced into doing it. It, it is because of the process of how much we love God right. and we do what we do. Right. And that's exactly right. I mean, it, and then like finishing off this in the passion, it says, it says this, we can be sure that we've truly come to live in intimacy with God, not by saying I'm intimate with God, but by walking in the footsteps of Jesus. Right. Meaning that we every single day are Jesus' representatives, representatives on this earth. Jesus has already walked if in the sand, so to speak. Right. And his footsteps are there. All we have to do is follow in his footsteps, put our feet directly where his are. Meaning, walk in love. Do what you do, but do it out of love. Mm. And don't do it like to get something in return. That's the that's a misconstrued version of what love is. Right. And and if you look at Jesus' whole entire life, everything that he did he did with a self-giving, self-sacrificial love. He allowed other people to experience the love of God through his life, through his actions, through everything that he did, not to get something in return, no, but to give. And the Bible says, in which we read in John three sixteen, God so loved the world that he gave. Mm-hmm. That is perfect love when he gave without expecting anything in return. And so the true identification of a believer is not saying that you're a Christian. It's walking in the footsteps of love that Jesus has already placed for us. And I think that's very, very crucial in this day and age is that, you know, we got a lot of people out there saying that they're believers and Christians and their fruit really aren't matching what they are proclaiming themselves to be. They say that they have an intimate relationship with God, but the reality behind it is, you know, they lack love. And when you lack love, you know, the truth of God is not in you, it says. We have to walk as he walked, which is walking in love. I believe as followers of Jesus, we should not have to advertise that we do love people. Right. Um, but then if that is the case, and if we have to advertise that we love people, uh, then then we are like um, the Pharisees and Sadducees who actually have to wear their badges yep. of their belief. But we don't have to wear those badges because they will know who you are by how you Respond in how you love others. Right, by your fruit. By your fruit. And so being that said, we we now come into a place of realizing and people seeing who who abides in us. Right. Whoever abides in us now now exudes from our life. Yeah. And we are surrounded by what we are. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's like, it's so crucial. Um, And this is why John, I think, is writing about it. It's, It's that... In order to show the light, we have to become love, as Jesus was loved. You know, and it says in John 7 right here, it says, Beloved, I am writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. And the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother 
is in darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. And so that right there is saying, which we know there's a verse in the Bible that says, you know, how could you love a God which you do not see, but love uh, hate your brother which you do see? You know, the best way to show everyone around you that you are a believer and a follower of Christ, I don't want to say a Christian, but a follower of Christ is that not how much you give, it's not how much good works you do, it's how well you love. And 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 sometimes it's really difficult to love people because, you know, they stab you in the back and they roll their eyes at you and they do all this other uh, stuff that could anger or perturb you. Right. Um, and, and it's difficult. But in those moments, you know, we have to choose love over everything else because it's our job if we aren't loved, then then you know what what's our purpose of even being here in the first place? It, you know we're we are called to love and have compassion on those whom God has called us to have compassion on. We we are we are meant to, you know, give grace and mercy. And what's the best way to love? It's through grace and mercy Amen. by giving people second chances, third chances, seventy times seven chances a day. And so, in these moments of life, when we hit these turbulent times with the people around us. You know, we have to allow ourselves to move on from the hurt, pain, or frustration that they cause us because that is true love. It's giving them another chance. And now it's not to say, you know, stay in an abusive relationship. It's not to say, hey, you should stay with that person, you know, even though they're they're belittling you. You know, it's not saying you should become friends with the your and you know, right. the person that that hurts you. But it's saying, you know forgive those people move on you know and and that's that's the biggest thing it's like you know giving people around you true love and repentance you know well you know forgiveness is is a big big thing and it's one easier said than done and and how do you forgive someone who has extremely put you through the ringer emotionally mentally even sometimes physically but at some point Forgiving doesn't mean that you have to embrace that person and bring them in your life. Forgiving is having to let them go and understand that you ha- you cannot allow yourself to har- harbor hard feelings towards that person, but you, you say, you know what, I forgive them, I let them go, and I move forward in Jesus, and I have to love them where they are, not love them to become what I need them to be. Right. And then like we also have to look at the motive the motivation behind our love as well. Right. You know, um we should love because we want to, not because we have to. Right. And that's that's a fine line, I think. You know, loving because you have to and loving because you want to. And how then do we position our hearts to love those people around us? Right. You know, how then do we I guess how how then do we experience the love of Christ so much that the love pours out of us and into the people around us and that that right there I think is key it's that that every morning you know every day we need to encounter the love of God so that way we are equipped with that love then to give it out to the people around us and and it says that whoever whoever is in Christ you know, the light is in him. Mm-hmm. The light is love. But whoever abides in hate, 
right, is in darkness and they walk in darkness. That's what verse 11 says. Right. And so, you know, we cannot allow our eyes to be blinded with the dark things of hatred and resentment because people stabbed us in the back and they've hurt our feelings. No, we need to start walking in the light. What does that mean? What does that look like for believers nowadays? How, how then do we, you know, operate in this kind of love when everything around us is, is, is upsetting us and, and the, the circumstances of this world is, is frustrating us. And, and even with political things and this thing is happening and that thing is happening, how then do we actually walk in love and in light? You know, Jesus is the perfect example, right? And hate is a small word, but very powerful. Right. Because hate is is a breeding ground for a lot of things that we open ourselves up to that would become even a demonic stronghold in our own life. If we allow hate uh, to enter in our hearts towards other people, I mean, it's one thing to to dislike someone, but it's another thing to hate someone. To say, I hate you, It it's it's... It really cuts to the heart of the person that you're saying it to, and therefore you're there's you open yourself up to darkness and you walk blind from the things of God because God does not hate not one person. Right. I mean, even the worst person on this earth, He doesn't hate them. Right. But then you know there there as well as a fine line. It's like you know you may not physically say that you hate that person, but what do your actions look like? Right. You know what what do your uh, how are you treating them? Mm-hmm. How are you acting around them? How are you, you know, are you giving? Are you allowing them to step forward? You know, are you are you giving them leniency and are you giving them those those moments of like, you know, though you've made me mad, you know, here I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to help you. I'm still going to go out of my way to show you that I love you. Right. You know, and hating somebody is more than saying oh i hate you it's yeah. it's a physical action a physical motive behind you know your just everything that you do and so i think that at the at the end of the day you know we as believers sometimes show people that we hate them through our actions in certain communities in certain uh, beliefs and ideals um, in certain uh, sects of groups of people, you know, we may not say that we hate them, you know, but when we say the things like, you know, well, well, God loves the sin, but hate, you know, lo- loves the sinner, but hates the sin. But then we have this am- amnesty with them and, and, and we, we, we show them like, hatred from our religious groups and our religious sects because they don't believe the same way we do because they have a lifestyle that doesn't agree that we don't particularly agree with and 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 you know well we love them and we accept them but but do we really you know are we going out of our way to help them are we going out of our way to show them that we care for them and i think the answer at the end of the day is no we're not you know uh, just <laughs> God, you know, the Bible never literally says that to love the sinner and hate the sin anymore. No, it doesn't. And, and many times we have uh, uh, used that and coined that passage. I've, I mean, even I've heard preachers say it in sermons and, you know, even in personal testimonies. But really, the Bible does not literally say 
to love the sinner and hate the sin. No. And, and, and so, so we, we got to love all. Yeah. Regardless where they are at. Yeah. And if we're to emulate Christ, as we have talked to before right. about the woman caught in the act of adultery and many other people in the Bible that they chose to put into the Gospels, we have to be willing to uh, uh, share the love of God to all people. Right. And like just being kind as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you don't have to agree with how people are living mm-hmm. to be kind to them. Right. You know, you don't have to agree with their lifestyle or agree with their life's choices to be a genuinely nice person to them. And like, you know, we we Christians boast oftentimes about you know, how good we are. How how much good we do. But then we turn to say the homosexual community or or you know, with with all this gender dysphoria and stuff and we show hatred to them on like Facebook and even not just directly to their face, but, but behind their backs, you know, in conversation, we show hatred and, 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 and distaste to them. And it's like, you know, but what, what, if Jesus was in this time and era, what would he be doing? Where would he be at? I think we have to be careful not to have our militant of um, determining the right from the wrong, being right. so militant to saying this is what's right, that we literally show hate in the process that we literally show uh, how much we are that uh, person that we're not really taking people where they are. I mean, I think of when I'm, when I'm saying this, my mind goes to this hot topic here, you know, it's been going on the, the abortion, you know, it's been passed that, you know, in some States that, you know, they can't abort, you know, it's been, you know, they put it into the state's hands, Yeah, put it in the state's hands. And you got one side who believes in abortion really fighting those who don't believe in abortion and the people who don't believe in abortion d- does as equal as damage to the other side as yeah. one to the other. And, and, and where do we, f- where do we come to the point to, to just love people in that process, whether whatever they believe, whether it be abortion or, or not to be right. aborted, and, you know, and, and it's, those are, you know, it, yes, taking life is, is sad. But there are a lot of other issues that people can validate why you shouldn't too. Right. And so at some yeah. go ahead. Both sides have their own reasons as right. to why they're right. Correct. And both sides' reasons are valid to them. To them. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 so and I think that's another good point. It's that like, you know, in these heated debates and topics, like mm-hmm. you see this one person, you know, and they're like so, you know, so adamant about their point and like they yeah. belittle the other person, but so does the other person. They belittle the other person. It's right. Like, but then like you have to actually, when you're in these conversations, even about theology or anything like that, you know, right. you have to step outside, acknowledge their points. You know, yeah. you have Validate. a valid point. Mm-hmm. You have a valid point. I see why you say that. And it's giving the per- that person, you know, the decency and saying, I'm hearing your side of the argument as well. Now it's time to listen to my side. Respect. Yeah, and that's and, exactly what it is, and, and that's what Jesus did. And and look, when you show respect to that person that giving their point, and you try to give yours, and they don't show you respect, then that's when you brush the dust off and move on. Right, and that's the thing. It's like when you look at Jesus's life, he listened to the Pharisees, he listened to the sinners, he listened to everybody's point of view. Right. 
he gave them an ear. And I think that is the, one of the most greatest acts of love. Right. It's listening. Not cramming the Bible down people's throat, quoting scriptures. I yeah. mean, I know ministers today who who are so proud of themselves because they can they can say the names of the books of the Bible in order and 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 feel validated yeah. as a believer. Yeah. But that doesn't get you to heaven. Yeah. And nor did you earn merits in, in the kingdom because you know the books of the Bible. And and here's and catch this. I was listening to a minister, um, and it goes along with the same topic that we're talking about, actually. It's kind of crazy. But I was listening to a minister, and he said one of his pastor friends had this couple come into his church. It was during, like, this, like, worship session, you know, kind of thing. And, um, you know, they were like, you know, we want to hear God. And um, he said, well, you know, you're already kind of hearing God, you know, because God told you to, to come here and come right. to church and, and be in, in, you know, and they're like, you know, we are, we, we are atheists technically and this and that and the other or agnostics or whatever they say. And, and he, and they start asking him questions and, you know, how do you hear God? How do you do this and that? And, and like one thing leads to another, they start asking him, you know, well, what, what about Ouija boards? You know, what about Ouija boards? Is that Okay. And instead of jumping the gun and saying, no, that's not, that's not okay. You should not do that stuff. He says, okay, pause and, and let's hear what God has to say. And he asked them, what do you hear? What do you hear that God is saying right now? And instead of saying, no, it's not, they said, God's saying that I have uncertainty about my future. And that's why I need to do this Ouija board stuff. So instead of addressing a, 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 a branch, God actually spoke to them at the root of their problem, which made them stop doing the Ouija boards and start coming to church and following God. And see, I think if that's love, because if you can take the approach of, of, cause we're all so worried and get scared because somebody's doing something they don't think they believe they should be doing. Yeah. And therefore we, we quote scriptures and we, we, we dogmatic all the beliefs. Oh, systems. we shove it down their throat. Oh my gosh. You know, and, and that's not caring. That's not loving. Yeah. That's not what Christ would do. Christ would get down where they are. He would not sin, but he will go down to where they are to yeah. pull them up where they need to be. Yeah. And, and that's just re-identifying mm -hmm. uh, Christ in them. And, and, and when we do that and we lead people the way, you know, I just had somebody just, I hate to say it like this, but I had somebody come to come to me not too long ago and just said, you know, I, I appreciate how you handle me because you know, I'm not like you. But because I'm not like you, you still never put me down right. in, that way, in that way. When I'm thinking, you know, that's not me. That's that's Jesus loving me, loving you. Yeah. <laughs> right. and, and if he's embodies and if Christ embodies in us, which he should. Yeah. Then we should extend his abiding presence to the people around us who need to be reconnected to the love of God. Exactly. I agree 110%. And that's, that's the thing behind it. It's like when you're so like in the situation with the Ouija board. Cover, okay. Right? Let's go there. You know, obviously in the sect of Christianity, we, we know, or we should know that it's, it's probably not the best idea to do that. Right. right. It's not, of it's course. not okay to do that's that. That's just opening a door to false right. things. But and if and if the pastor truths. yeah if if the pastor in that moment came down harsh mm -hmm. and said you shouldn't be doing that that's demonic blah 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 got it, it, they would have never gotten to the root issue of the cause mm -hmm. 
but because he said, well, I don't know. Let's ask God together. In that moment, he knew the answer. Of course. He knew the answer, but he knew that God was speaking to them too. And, and, and what, what is more impactful, hearing it from somebody else or hearing it from God yourself? It's called a personal encounter. Yeah. And that's what God is, is a, um, wanting every person to encounter him in a yeah. personal way. Yep. This is, you know, saying that example pulls us back towards the passage of love. Yeah. God loves everyone. Why can't we? Exactly. And, 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 you know, I'm different. You're different. Our listeners, each one of them are different. If every person is the same, I, I heard, I heard uh, your mom tell your daughter this <laughs> the other day, she goes, you know, God made you so special that if everyone was the same, then you, then the way he loves you wouldn't be the same way he loves someone else. He, he loves every person with their own special qualities yeah. that makes them neat. And and that, and that's a simple way to explain God's love. He loves you just where you are and with your qualities and your personality yeah. and the way you behave. He loves you as is. Yeah. And and that's the same process that we must carry out in our hearts and lives. Right. And it's like, you know, and I think I think we're we're going to go here actually is is that like when you force somebody into believing you know, it doesn't stick. It doesn't stick. Mm-hmm. And like when turbulent times come, guess what's going to happen? They're going to turn the opposite direction. Absolutely. And so like when, when, when you sit here and, and I, and I picture this as almost like a whip, mm-hmm. you know, you, you sit here with a whip tangled out of, you know, scripture and law, right. and you start whipping the backs of people. It turns into an almost slave mentality. Mm-hmm. You're enslaved to the religion. You're enslaved to the laws. You're enslaved to all of this stuff. But the reality of it is when I encounter God in who he really is, which is a loving father, it's right. not this vindictive slave master that, that that changes on a whim. It's this loving father who loves and cares for everybody on right. this planet. Right. The good, the bad, everybody. Yeah. And so, you know... When you encounter who God really is, you don't feel trapped in this religion. You don't feel trapped like, oh my gosh, I have to stay here or else I'm going to burn forever. Yeah. No, you're like, I want to stay in this because the deeper that I go with him, the less effects of the storm and the things of life that I feel and the, and, and, and the more that I feel loved, you know, and, and that's what it's about. It's when you truly encounter God. Not the religious version of God. Right. Not the vindictive, back-whipping version of God, but the loving Father that wraps his arms around you and puts his rings on your fingers. Right. That's when true change happens. And that's when you can actually love people the way that they're intended to be loved because you have encountered love in and of itself. And that's a part of discipleship towards other people. Yeah. Discipleship, you know, the church has, and and, you know, this may be off topic, I don't know, but the church has uh, grafted in discipleship as reproducing yourself into others. But reality, discipleship is not truly supposed to be reproducing yourself. Discipleship is really imparting Jesus 
into the lives of others that you are expanding and multiplying the kingdom of God by each person as they continue to do the same. So really, we're not really to reproduce ourselves. What we're really to do is to produce Christ into other people, meaning how we love people, how we accept people, how we respond to people, how we care for people, how we choose. Here's a tough one not to gossip about people. Yeah. If you're going to love people to their face, you better love them behind their back. Exactly. Because there are other people listening and watching. And Christians are notorious oh for that. Oh my gosh. Uh, uh, Pentecostals. Oh, <laughs> that's, I'm one. they're the worst, man. I'm a Pentecostal. And I hate to say it that way. Truly, I've read, identified as a follower than a Pentecostal. Yeah. Technically, yeah, we're Pentecostal evangelicals. That's what our label is, technically. Mm-hmm. Um, I label myself as a follower. Yeah, I'm a follower. <laughs> but like Jesus. that's that's the thing. Like you know, you can sit there and you can speak in tongues, but then like after church, you go out to Western Sizzler, <laughs> <laughs> and what's the first thing that you do? You start gossiping. Especially when they have to lean over and say, you know, I'm really concerned about so and so, and here's Just why. Just keep so and so in your prayers yeah. because. Yeah, and then you ain't saying prayer meeting. You're just gossiping, spreading the news. That's right. Why in our church, I don't do prayer chains because that's all become a gossip yeah, chain. Yeah, it's a gossip train. And yeah. I, I'm not doing it, and I yeah. refuse to let that happen. I agree. Um, but we, we as God's people have to be up into a higher standard. And I'm not mm-hmm. talking about to work towards a standard, but we are to live. At the standard that's already been set. Correct. Jesus set that standard. Yeah, yep. We and follow his footsteps. We just walk right in his footsteps. Yeah. That's the, what the passage says. He paved the way. We yeah. just walk in the way he's paved. Yeah. I think we talked about in the book of John where yep. he, he paved the highway. Yep. You know, he, he laid the road. Yes. Narrow is the road. But yep. he, he made the road narrow. He cleared the path On for purpose. us to walk. Because there's only so much we should be able to walk towards. Yeah. And that there's so much freedom and joy in it. Yeah. That we are not living. We choose to walk on this path, too, right. now. We're not forced to walk no. on it. No. I was brought up, and the way I brought you up, yeah. it, it was a fear-mongered yeah. you to want yeah. to serve God, or you're right. going to hell. And I think we actually just talked about this yesterday, yeah. <laughs> yeah. where it's like, you know, 99, I would say, of this century's Christians, mm-hmm. we'll say 90, 90, 90, 95, have come to Christ because of fear of hell. And you said a good point, and I'm going to bring it out, and this is a whole other topic, by the way. Yeah, oh my Lord. But you said, how many Christians will still be serving God if you take hell out of the equation? Yeah. I think that is a outstanding question. And I think when I first got saved, you know, we're not saying that hell is not real. That's no, not, what, that's we're not saying. what we're saying. But in the hypothet- hypothetical scenario of saying, you know, there is no such thing as hell, hypothetically. Hypothetically. We're just saying it. You know. Not that we're saying, identifying yeah. it. We're no, just... but we're saying hypothetically. You know, if you take hell out of the equation and say, oh, it's, you know, hell is not, you know, in the equation. You know, if you die, you just die forever kind of thing. Yeah. You know, how many Christians would actually still be serving God? See, that's a great question. And I think, you know, I'm going to be real and vulnerable. I think when I first got saved when I was a teenager, you know, because of the fear of hell, when I was like maybe 12 or 13, maybe right. maybe even less than that. I don't remember. It was so long ago. But like, you know, I think if hell was out of the equation at first, I, I probably wouldn't have. Yeah. Because of the fact it's like, well, you know, if I'm not going to burn forever, you know, then this, that, and the other, then what's, you know. But now that I've actually encountered 
the love of God. Right. Because it's not the fear of God that brings man to repentance. It's the love, love of, God. of God. That's right. what the Bible says. Right. And when churches start bringing people into the fold through the love of God and right. not through the fear of God, that's when revival can actually start to happen. Well, see, I think, and this is my personal opinion, I think we will be surprised how many people will be in heaven and how many yeah. people won't be in hell. Yeah. And, and so, yes, we're saying hell is real. But what we're saying is... I believe in a vastly populated heaven and a very, like, a very low population. Hell was never meant for us. Ever. Yeah. It was meant for Satan yeah. and all those that followed him. But hell's not meant for us. Yeah. But I think that we're going to be surprised how many people will go to heaven. But if you talk to the mainline people... And, and, and I love you, but I, if you talk to the mainline people, you're going to say, you're going to be surprised how many people is going to be in hell. Yeah. Why do we have to create the elitism in this? Yeah. And why do we have to be the judge? Right. We're not judged. That's above our pay grade. Yeah. It really is. And, and I think if we let God do Jesus, that sits on the judge seat. Okay. Yeah. If we let Jesus do what he's supposed to be doing, and we do what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah then we don't worry about those issues. Yeah, I mean, here recently, within the past couple of years, I don't even worry about heaven and hell. Neither anymore. do I. I'm, I, and I believe, and I feel in my heart, I believe you do the same, that I love God enough that I feel that my heart's desire is to want to <laughs> please Him. I don't go to church because I got to. Right. I go, I want to be in church because I. this is where I want to be. Yeah. I don't just take my time and try to hear God in my devotional because I have to. No, it's because I want to. I want to, yeah. I don't want to miss the next word he's got to say. I don't want to miss the next opportunity of encountering him in any way he wants me to encounter him. Right. Not even just that moment, but throughout the day. Right. You know, when you do your jobs or when you're doing your chores or whatever you're doing, we do things now unto the Lord, not because we got to, because we want to. And that I think is the key. At first, with this whole fear-mongering right. thing, you know, we were all brought in because we had to. Yeah. Because well, if you didn't, you're going to burn forever. In right. Hell. But now it's like, man, I don't even think about hell anymore. I don't even think about heaven anymore. When you realize God loves you for you. Yeah. Okay. And that there's so much joy in the kingdom of God and so much peace in the kingdom of God. You now wrap yourself up with what it is that he gives you, you receive, and therefore you want to want other people to know of it, not because you're scared that they're going to go to hell. I love my grandparents. That's what they drilled in me. You're yeah. going to go to hell if you don't do this. I don't want to see you die and go to hell. Right. But how much of a difference do you think you would have made if someone sat down with you and helped you encounter the love of God instead of the fear of hell? Right. And I think once we start getting that into the churches, I mean, we're starting to do it. We've been doing it for probably about a year now. Yeah. You know, and, and, and here. But like, you know, once we really get a hold of this thing and start teaching the kids and teaching, you know, th there's going to be a generation that, that doesn't even think about hell or the consequences of hell because they're so inclined to live for God because they've encountered his love. Well, if we can just not worry about corporal punishment when it comes to your soul. Yeah. I think when when, when you, you know, it, 
we contradict the love of God when you talk about corporal punishment. And I, and I understand, see, I was raised in that part. So yeah. I understand what people are thinking. And I know this is a very challenging concept and thought process. But let's just think for a moment. What if, just what if, you, you came to God knowing He loves you so much that He wants you to be so consumed and made whole by His love in your life that you you now become so infatuated with how much he loves you yeah and not hate you and not want to hurt you or not want to uh, put you in a place where you're going to be hurting constantly that he just loves you and you 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 learn so much about his love for your life that you no longer are ever worried how are you going to live right for him you're, you're, you become sold out even more. You fall in love with him the, even more than you ever have had ever had the opportunity. Right. I mean, I was raised fear-mongered. I was raised, uh, uh, you know, if you don't turn your life over to God, you're going to go to hell. And and I'm like, well, I don't want to go to hell. And I t- gave my life And over. then how many times did you say the sinner's prayer Oh, my gosh, I probably say the sinner's prayer even when I became a young adult, probably more than I needed to. Yeah. Because I felt like I had to constantly earn God's love, and I felt like I had to constantly yeah. perform. The, but what the does receive. that hold up? What does that sound like? Right. That sounds like your hail marys. Right. Well, Go so, say seven hail marys yeah. and penances, and then you're good. Right. And so, so God's love doesn't have to be performed to receive, right. or earned to right. receive. It's given freely. John three sixteen told me so. <laughs> right. For God so loved the world that he gave. gave. Not that you earned. He gave it. And he gave it. Salvation is a free gift. But that just sounds like sloppy grace. Mm. Mm. I would be careful on that fence. Yeah. I would be careful saying that stuff. Grace is not given for you to freely, willfully choose to do the wrong. Right. No, but like, here's the thing. It's like, when people talk about sloppy grace, like, I think there's only one type of grace. And it's, and it's like this unmerited grace that God will continuously give you, even though you, he knows that you're going to continue to make mistakes. Yeah. He knows he's not dumb. He's God. No, he's God. And like people are like, well, you got to stop talking about this grace and start talking about the judgment of God. But why? Even his judgment is love, Aaron. Yeah. It really is. He, when he judges, not out of, um, punishing you it's out of loving you right he loves us and and so if you're on the side of love and that's with God, yeah in love yeah his judgment is not a force of reckoning his his judgment is a force of and th- thrusting you and into that's, new places that's something that the church has gotten wrong as well yeah people see judgment as the book of job okay let's go there okay people see judgment as, as that where you've done something wrong and now god's going to take everything from you no, that's not true. Mm-mm. Judgment is not that in the Bible. Mm-mm. God's righteous and holy judgment is taking the darkness out of you. Right. Like a cancer, like a surgeon who goes in and removes cancerous right. things. That is what God's judgment is. So when he sees things in you, you know, that you've outgrown, and when he sees things in you that 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 are slowly poisoning you, mm-hmm. he's going to go in and lovingly remove it from your body right? so that way you can be more whole. 
And that's this this process. So when you say the judgment of God, don't think of it as like God gonna kill everything in your life and take away all your money and you deserve this and this that right. that is not judgment. Well, you know, some time ago, I don't know if we said it in our podcast, but I know you and I had spoke about it. I was almost a year ago about and we in our devotions we kept hearing the Holy Spirit says um, that God's releasing fire. And then the fire can it's the same fire. Yeah. Okay. The same fire that Moses encountered in the burning bush that wasn't consumed. Yeah. But it's also the same fire that that comes and consumes things that are not right. So so with this fire, the things that are happening, you know, the wind of God can can do one of two things. Okay. Got wind. It blows. If you're going Setting yourselves with the wind, it's going to propel you. But if you set yourselves against the wind or however you want to look at it, it's going to push you. You're fighting something you shouldn't be fighting. Right. So it all depends on your position and where you are standing in with God. You can either stand in opposition or stand in willingness to go with where he needs you to go and do what he needs you to do. Right. Right. And I think, I think, you know, all of this is saying that we have not encountered the true love of God. We're still learning it. It's a right. it's a continual process. Because in order for us to truly love others, yeah. we must first truly encounter the love of God. And I think that's why the Holy Spirit had us clarifying this podcast what the love of God is because once you encounter the love of God, it's impossible for you to not love people. Right. And not worry about judging people where they are. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't think, I think you're something you're always strive towards of accepting people. Right. Because there's, there's a lot of craziness right. around us. Really. Right. But like, yeah, but it's, it's noticing, it's noticing, Hey, I'm not fully loving the person the way that I should be. And in those moments, you know, before you would have never noticed it. Mm hmm. Before you'd have just kept on allowing it to stew and to grow, but now it's like, wait a minute, I'm not showing this person love the way that I, sh- the way that I should be, and 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 that that is growth. You know what I'm saying? That's growth. Yeah. When you have to change how you approach things and and how recognizing you that you're wrong, right? And that's a big thing. That's a lot of t- a lot of times within the church culture, the pride. Yeah, is what stops people huge. from moving forward within loving people, their pride, and they're admitting that they messed up. Yeah. You know, and I, I've said it before, I'll quote Dr. Phil, you can't, <laughs> you can't change what you don't acknowledge. Right, and that's so true. And, like, that's the first step, I think. It's like, you know, why? Well, it's, it's noticing, wait a minute, I didn't show this person the love that they deserved. Yeah. And then you Matthew eighteen them. Yeah. You go to them privately. Say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Forget will you forgive me? Yeah. And look, you can no longer just say I'm sorry. If you're truly repentive towards that person you've done wrong, then you have to be willing. Not that person changed because you said you're sorry. You have to make the change because you repented to the person you've done wrong or thought wrong. Yep. That's exactly right. That has to happen. Yep. Yep. And, and there's been people who's been hurt so badly, even though you say, I'm sorry, then you, you've got, you know, the Bible says that you bring somebody in. Yeah. And if, you know, if that doesn't happen, then you have to go before the church. Not mean you pull them out, point them out in front of the church, but no. you go to church leaders and say, look, I, I, help me to mend this relationship. Yep. 
I need to mend this. And that's the thing, I think, you know, we have to walk in the light. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to walk in in love. And and that's that's so hard sometimes, but but yet it's it's so rewarding when we realize that, you know, walking in love, not because not because we have to, but because we want to genuinely now. And and why is that? Because we've encountered the true, unfiltered love of God in mm-hmm. our life. Right. And it all stems from that, I think, in my mind. Like, the, all of it stems from encountering God. But yeah, we said all of that about the love of God to show you, you know, you have to allow God to love you first. Which is a challenge. Which is a challenge. Especially when you don't feel yeah. you deserve his love. Yep. In order to love other people. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the ultimate goal. Um, picking back up now in verse 12, it says, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Wow. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am mm. writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I am mm. writing to you, children, because you know... The Father. Mm. Did you catch that? You know the Father. And it's instilling that from generation to generation to generation. You know him from the beginning, fathers. You have overcome the evil one, young men. Why? Because your children know the Father. Mm. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is uh, from the beginning. That's verse 14. I write to you, young men, because you are strong. And the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. So basically, all of this is saying that because we've encountered God's love, we have now instilled it into the next generation, and the next generation instilled it to the next generation. And there will be a generation that will overcome the evil one, not through fear, right? Through love, you know, in, in the prime example that I, you know, I'm not, I know we're getting ready to close, but the prime example I feel when you talk about teaching the next generation, I believe racism is yeah. taught, uh, yeah, by example, whether it be from one side or the other. Yep, both sides are teaching racism. Yep, in in, in really when you know we have a child care center in our in our church. When you look at little children who don't know what that is, they don't look at the color of the skin. No. They they only judge by the character of the person as yep. a child. And I've seen multicultural love each other. And I'm thinking if little children can grab a hold of that love for one another, why can't we do that? Yep. We and lose it. We lose it. The older we get, the more uh, unfortunately desensitized. desensitized and we segregate in our mind with our thought pattern. Yep. Yep. And so we need to start instilling love into the kids. By example. By example, yep. And 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 how do we do that? You know, we don't do it through fear. Mhm. You know, we do it through showing them what the love of God is. Right. And 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 I think that's so crucial and it's so important because of the fact that like, you know, how many of us have had that one experience with your parents, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Where where your dad holds the lighter up and tells you to put your hand <laughs> over the lighter. Right, right, right. Yeah. Put your hand over the... 
Put your hand over the lighter and see how hot when it is. I was growing up, it was fires, uh, yeah, campfires <laughs> camp and things. Fires. That's what we did. That was what we did in the eighties. <laughs> it was always campfires. Hey, put your hand over that lighter and see how. Hot. Now imagine that for ten minutes. Now imagine that for twenty. Now imagine that for a lifetime. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so and so like yeah. you know it's but like now but then what would happen if fathers and mothers sat down with their children and said and helped children experience the love of God. And then they saw their parents acting out the love of God in Walmart, in the sheets, in, you know, um, the malls and, and, and stuff like places like that, where they actually show the love of God to people around them. That's instilled in them in a young age and they continue it on. Yeah. And then there, there will one day be a generation that knows no fear of God, but only knows the perfect love of God, and then knows how to love everybody with that same love. You know, Michael Jackson wrote a song, Man in the Mirror, yeah. which, and I, I know it's a secular song, but I believe it's appropriate. The only way you're going to change the world is look at yourself and make the change first. Yeah. So we have to make the change. Oh, absolutely. I agree 100%. It's like we are the ones that have to change. And, 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 and I, and I, and I heard this one, um, Oh, I don't know what he is. It's a psychologist. Mm-hmm. I heard this one psychologist say this, stop worrying about other people's problems first mm-hmm. until you get your own problems in order. Right. Which is the same thing. What Jesus said, stop worrying about the log in somebody else's, you know, Absolutely. the speck in somebody else's yeah. eye when you have a log in your own. Absolutely. And, and, and when we start, and I hate to use this phrasing, worrying about yourself. <laughs> worry about yourself. Worry about yourself. <laughs> when we start worrying about ourselves, uh-huh. you know, that's the moment, man, that, that true change can come about yeah. in the church. And that's the moment that true change can come about, you know, in the next generation. You know, we're not going to see perfection in this generation. Nope. The next generation probably won't, but the generation after that. Yep. If you keep on instilling it into your children and your children's children, guess what? There's going to be a generation that knows the perfect love of God and also knows how to love everybody else with that same imperfect love because if you say that you love god but yet you don't love your brother then darkness abides in your heart that's what first john chapter 2 basically was saying so the proper way to love god is to first allow him to love you and then allow yourself to love other people around you that's the goal That's what it's all about. That's what we're here for. We're here to build his kingdom through love, not fear. And and I think that's the goal. It's to to show people what love is by being the perfect example of love in their life. We want to thank you for tuning in to Calvary's Compass today. Thank you for supporting us and listening to us. If you like what you heard, go check us out on Facebook, MountCalvaryChurchGod.com. Um, check out our website, MountCalvaryCOG.com. Um, email us if you have any questions, MountCalvaryCOG at gmail.com. But thank you for tuning in. God bless, and we'll see you next week. See ya.